Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the welcome reception sponsored by Kenna Metal at MFG. And you are looking live at a live podcast recording of Making Chips. This is their first appearance at the MFG. And let me give you a little history here. In late 2013, Jason and Jim met in person for the first time on a radio program appearance. There, they discussed the state of manufacturing and shared tips on growing a business through social media and marketing. They soon found that their thinking and passion for the manufacturing industry could not be more aligned. In the following months, Jason and Jim stayed in touch and shared ideas. Both recognized the need for a resource to equip and inspire the metalworking nation, leading them to launch Making Chips. Since its launch, the popular podcast has evolved into an inclusive multi-platform manufacturing resource that includes a YouTube series, live events, workshops, and leadership articles. And now, live here in Miami, the Making Chips podcast featuring Jason Zenger and Jim Carr. Thanks, Peter. We appreciate that. We appreciate your support, and thanks to AMT for having us here tonight. Thanks to Kenna Metal for sponsoring the event. Absolutely. Thank you to Kenna Metal for sponsoring tonight. Drink up, eat up, and let's enjoy this beautiful Miami sunset as we as we are. Yeah, and we're gonna here. have a special guest from Kenna Metal coming up very soon. Absolutely. So Jason, why not for people that don't know about us? Okay. You know, what is your name again? <laughs> well, it's kind of funny. We have about, I was just explaining to somebody about ten thousand listeners a month. So there's quite a few people that do know about making chips and you know, to date, I think we've had about 300,000 manufacturing leaders. I think we're at about 300,000 downloads yeah. right so now. So it's making an impact. Yeah. So what we do is we we know that being a manufacturing leader is challenging. It's tough. It's, yeah, it uh, is. Let me tell you. You see it every day. And But we also know that if you bring that community together, you can solve your problems. You can elevate your skills and you can grow your business. I'm trying to every day, man. I know. That, I know. That's my mission in life. So... Anyway, my name is Jim Carr, and I am the owner and uh, president of Car Machine and Tool in Elk Grove Village, Illinois. It's near Chicago. I've been in the business for decades, and Jason was the one that came to me back uh, five years ago and said, I think we need to start a podcast. Uh, there's nobody relevant in our space doing it, right? and let's go ahead and give it a shot. Yeah, so we did. from a hobby turned into this, and uh, here we are tonight in Miami, Florida. Yeah, and I'm Jason Zenger, and I am a tooling distributor. So what I do is I help to increase the productivity and save costs for manufacturing clients just like yourself. And I do. I'm your million-dollar client, yes. right? Yes. So this is being recorded for a future episode right. on making chips. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to take our show structure that we record in our studio to a live event. And so what we typically do is we... We try to talk about some fun and relevant things that are going on right now. So what we decided what we were going to do is let's talk a little bit about Miami. Everyone just got in in the last day or two. Jason, do you have anything that you want to share with us about what's relevant about Miami? Yeah, some, I do. Some cool fun well, facts that um, you're always telling your kids. Well, I got some okay, fun so, facts. So you know everybody likes to retire to Florida. So what percentage of Miamians are above the age of 65, would you what guess? What percentage of Miamians are above the age of 65? Yeah, have re retired uh, to Miami. I'm going to shoot for like 35%. Uh, not quite that that much, about 16%, which okay. is still very, very high. That is. And is. the other, Where do they migrate from, does it say? The north. 
the north. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that would be it's like flying south not, for the winter. They're not going to come south, right? <laughs> exactly. Not... The other interesting thing is that there's over 150 ethnicities and 60 plus languages spoken here, which if you've taken a cab ride or an Uber or something else, you could definitely get the breadth of languages that are spoken yeah, here absolutely. in Miami. And the other interesting thing is that Miami Beach was actually a swamp before they, de they developed it in the 1920s. In so, the 20s, huh? Yeah. Yeah. yeah swamp land. I actually knew that. Did you? Well, I've got a couple things, too. Did you know that uh, Benjamin Green was a pharmacist, and he was an airman in World War II, and he was the first person who developed sunscreen okay. we've all used. He's from Miami. He is from Miami. He went back, and he added some cocoa butter and cocoa oil, and he was the founder of Coppertone, okay. Coppertone Tan. Also, as we look out across the horizon here and see the airplanes going, I want you to know that... 25% of the local economy is employed right over there at MIA. So I thought that was uh, pretty interesting. And to all the snowbirds that come in in the winter, this is, without a doubt, the warmest city in the country in winter. Well, it's so, south, southern Florida. It certainly is. So enough about Miami. I know, enough about Miami, enough about us. Right. Well, maybe just a little bit more about okay. us. Tell me what's going on at Zanger's Industrial Supply. Tell me something good. Oh, th there's always a lot going on. You know, one of the things that we're, I wouldn't say struggling with, but having the opportunity to acquire other businesses. Yeah. And as the demographic of the baby boomers leads to retirement, there's businesses for sale. And, you know, we have this struggle with trying to come to a realistic purchase price for businesses. We've made several acquisitions over the years. And, you know, it just becomes a little bit of a struggle sometimes right. that, difference between people's expectations as to what their business is worth as you know that we've discussed acquisitions for you and a realistic price to pay for that business so that could be something we could talk about in a later episode absolutely absolutely how about you what, what do you have well on? you know a uh, business is good manufacturing is having a a, a great moment right now I, right. I would like to say we're in a manufacturing renaissance going on right now so i'm buying new equipment with increased you know customers increased business uh, we're making a lot of chips at Car Machine and Tool. So, you know, and it's all about amping up your technology, yep. getting it right there, making it right. Yep. And so that's, it's really exciting. And I, I'm really excited about the future of manufacturing. Yeah. So there's a lot going on in manufacturing news today, not just manufacturing news platforms, but the major news platforms are talking about manufacturing. I think you want right? to share something. No, with I me don't. About you just, you know, you kind of teed this up and I see it on the TV. So, yeah. So, as we all know, President Trump last week decided he was going to put a tariff on steel and aluminum, a 25% right. tariff on steel and a 10% tariff on aluminum. Right. There has been so much backlash about this going on. Wilbur Ross, the Secretary of Commerce, downplayed the rise in prices to the local economy. He said that uh, overall consumer products is going to, it's only going to raise a 0.5% oh, of our it's total nothing. economy. It's just like he anything. Said, they make such a big deal out of, out of nothing and it should be expected. He said there has been a tremendous overreaction and limited impact on the total economy. Well, you know, when, when the president's running for office and he says, I'm going to put tariffs on steel and aluminum, and then he does it, it shouldn't be a surprise. It shouldn't be a surprise. During his campaign, he said he was going to put a 45% Now it's tariff. 25. And now it's 25. 25 and 10, actually. And just there precise. was news just a couple hours ago that he did sign that in, but he is going to exempt Canada 
and Mexico. Right, because of the NAFTA negotiations. Absolutely. So it's not all doom and gloom. I think it's going to absolute. I, I don't know for sure how it's going to end up. Well, I'm concerned about how it affects the stock market. I'm concerned with how it affects investment in the United States. But, you know, to be quite honest with you, I sell a lot of tools and supplies to those primary metal industries, um, you know, people that are making structural steels and actually forming that steel and everything. Um, there's a lot of that business on, you know, the south side of Chicago and that northwest Indiana area. Right. And so, you know, that could have a very positive reflection on their sales. The problem is a lot of those companies have, you know, really gone highly automated, but they still need people. And if there is a surge in output, surge in sales, can they find the people in order to meet that demand? I think they can. I think we can ramp so. up. We're the United States of America. We can do yeah, that. Yeah, we can do it. So at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to be all doom and gloom. I, I don't believe we're going to go into a global trade war. As much as the GOPs are downplaying it, they're not supporting well, that. everybody's downplaying it. Everyone's yeah. downplaying yeah. it. I think at the end of the day, it's going to be positive and we're going to figure it out like we always do. Yep. Maybe next week we'll know more about it. Yeah. So with that, um, it's going to be my absolute pleasure to introduce a very special VIP guest tonight. His name is Mike Ramsey, and Mike is a graduate of Eastern Kentucky University. He has a BS in business administration and management. He is a veteran in the manufacturing industry, and Mike is currently the global vice president of the Industrial Diversified Market Unit at Kenametal, where he has worked for 36 consecutive years. Mike leads a strategic passion and is here tonight as our guest to share with all of you and the metalworking nation an insight into the state of manufacturing and cutting tool technology. Mike, why don't you come on up? Nice round of applause for Mike. All right. Nice to see you. Have a seat. So thanks for joining us tonight, Mike. We really appreciate it. We're recording this and we're going to repurpose this for a future episode so you'll be able to repurpose it and then the general public will be able to hear it. Well, thank you for inviting me. Um, yeah, absolutely our pleasure. Um, I think you've got going to have some good insight as to where the economy is going. And I'd like to lead off because I'm, I'm a, a user of, I'm an end user of cutting tools in my shop in Chicago. So what I want to know is I want to know what the latest trends are in cutting tools? Well, I think, uh, as you know, uh, the materials have changed. So there's more aluminum and there's more titanium. And so I think the coatings in the tools are a lot of the changes that are going on, as well as the use of PCD in manufacturing today. Oh, is today. PCD one of the big new technological Ish, things that are happening? Well, I think there's... Because I've heard about PCD a lot. There's a lot more of it being used. So as right. you think about, you know, if we look back a few years, most of our engines, blocks, and heads in the automotive world was made out of cast iron, cranks made out of steel. You know, as we go forward, those engine blocks and heads are out of aluminum, which PCD fits perfectly Right, because they can it. make aluminum stronger than what they used to, plus you get the other properties of aluminum that are that are well beneficial. you get the wear characteristics and if there's any silicon in the aluminum you get the ability to machine that and we also look in the aerospace industry the automotive industry and other industries cfrp is another material that we see a lot more of now and of course that is being machined with pcd as well for the audience maybe there's some that don't know what is cfrp that's a carbon reinforced fiber polymers okay. and wow. it's being used in the hoods of cars it's being used in the 
uh, dashboards. And as you know, planes like the Dreamliner and other planes like that are completely, the fuselage is made completely. Yeah, that, yeah that is amazing. Um, so, Mike, you, you mentioned PCD, but what other, um, what other cutting tools do you see as disruptive to the old cutting tools that we all know and love that we've been using for many years? Well, I don't know that it's cutting tools, but additive manufacturing is certainly going to be disruptive to what we know okay. in the past. And as you know, additive gives uh, companies the ability to do faster prototyping and a lot of things in that arena. I think that the cutting tool piece of it is all around coding process and post-coding process, which has changed a lot of the industry. Okay. What about any kind of like molding technologies? Does that help to, uh, you know, as we advance that to... To be able to advance well, I think the injection molding is one. Okay, okay. that's going on. Uh, the ability, the way that you press an insert today uh, is a little bit different with different type side pressing molds and dies and those type things. But overall, I think it'll be the coating technology and the post coat process. Hey, Jason. You know it's all about a smart workforce, right? It's all about educating the future generation. And you know, IMTS is really going to focus on educating the younger generation at our future IMTS 2018. Yeah, I mean, we workforce development is a big issue right now and we really need to be looking towards the future and saying how are we going to equip the new generation in order to take the place of the current manufacturing leaders that are looking towards retirement all those boomers are going to go bye-bye very soon bye-bye boomers we need to get the young the new millennials in and let me tell you i was just on the imts.com site looking at the conferences looking at their smart force summit that they're having for the students it looks fantastic there is so many you wouldn't believe it but get to imts.com register to go bring it on I was going to ask you, and I think you answered the question before I even asked it. I was going to say, do you see innovation in cutting tools growing or slowing down as carbide grades, coating, and materials have matured? And I have to tell you, because you know, I grew up in the shop, and when Thailand coating came out, that just completely changed the way we use cutting tools. I mean, coming from a second generation and when I put a half-inch end mill in the spindle and started cutting 4140 pre-hard without coolant, my dad could absolutely not believe it. He said, you know, what's going to happen? That tool is going to get burnt up. And it was absolutely just the opposite. So what, what are those other things, Mike, that you can share with us that really have been impactful and we can see in the future? Well, I think... When you were talking about TIALN, it was around CVD coatings in a lot of cases. Right. Today, we're seeing PVD coating, which in the early years, we talked about thicker coatings were better. Today, it's thinner coatings right. are no better. No kidding. So you can uh, maintain a better edge. Okay. You get uh, better uh, integrity. And in some of the PVD coatings, you put the carbide in compression, which helps you as well. So I think that, you know, as you look at that, and then the other piece that's really starting to make a play certainly is ceramics. You talked about end mills. 
you know, there are solid ceramic solid end mills ceramic today. End mill. Those things fly. Wait, I mean, I, that's amazing. I, I've never even heard of that. A solid oh. ceramic end mill. Solid ceramic end mills for machining nickel-based alloys. It's unbelievable. That just looks fun because there's just sparks flying. No and, you know, it's, and you do it so dry. What, what, right. You do it dry, but dry. what kind of materials do we use that on, Mike? Inco 718's nickel-based alloys for the most part. Nickel-based alloys, okay. Okay, very interesting. Are the the machine tools meeting the demands of what you need to run a a solid ceramic end mill? Well, you know, one of the things that happens is the machine tools make a a progression, and then the cutting tool companies do a leapfrog. So we've been leapfrogging for a long time. But now, I think as we're starting to understand the machining principles a lot more, the machine tools are there, the speeds are there. But I think we're going to see that today, you know, machines are in the 15, 20,000 range capability. But I right. think in the future, we're going to see machines that possibly run much, much higher really? because of ceramic cutting right. tools. Okay. I saw that trend coming back when we went to chatter-free end mills. It was all about taking a 10% radial cut. You bring this RPM up really high. You take a very small depth of cut at a very high RPM. That was the trend, and that's when all the machine tools started reacting to that, and we went from 10 to 12 to 14 to 15,000 RPM spindles and even more. So, I mean, I think it's really relevant for what's happening right now. The word global is in your title. Yes. And I'd love to hear as a part of what you do at Kenneth. It is in his title. It is in his title. Yeah. I know. I know. I didn't just make that up. I didn't just give him a new title or a promotion. I didn't just promote him from the U.S. market to the global market. But... I'd love to hear from you, um, not only what you do on a day-to-day basis, but before that, maybe, what do you see in other parts of the world that they're doing things that the U.S. market should be considering? Yeah. I'll just touch on one that I think is really important. I think a lot of the public believes that the operators and the machine tools that are in China today are not as innovative and as new as what we have maybe in Europe or the U.S. That's absolutely false. If you look at what's going on in China today specifically, they're buying equipment that's leading edge technology. And we they're see the biggest them, consumers of, of machine tools. That's exactly and, right. And they're not old machine tools. They're not. And I think that's a, a, a piece that we need to let the public know that what they thought 10 years ago is not China of today. Yeah, it's interesting. So, Mike, another question that you know we, we're all cognizant of is challenges. Jason and I talk about challenges all the time. We try to equip and inspire manufacturing leaders to mitigate some of those challenges that they have. To think differently about manufacturing. To think differently about manufacturing. And just we're we're trying to help them take away the pain and the challenges that we have in everyday everyday business and in manufacturing. What is Kenametal's biggest challenges that they have for the future? Is it supply? Is it demand? Is it workforce development? What kind of challenges do you foresee in, in, the, in the near future? I think a lot of us have the same one, and it's demographics. I think Is that what, demographics. Demographics. So okay. as we start to look at the workforce, the experienced workforce that's moving on, how do we attract and retain young talent yes, that moves us forward? Important. And I think that's probably for all the industry, the biggest issue that we have facing us today. Well, you could just work till you're 100, right? <laughs> <laughs> or are you sure. looking forward to retirement? 
36 years. 36 years. Congratulations. Nowadays, that just doesn't happen. The millennials <laughs> don't believe in working long term. I, I assume you're not at the midpoint of your career. You're looking at the, uh, you know, the tail end of well, this. Well, the so. vintage end, I guess yeah, we can call it. I, I was that. trying to say I'm going to have to write that down and repurpose it myself. Jim, you're a vintage guy. I am a vintage guy. You know, I started in the family business as a very young man, and I worked my way up. You know, I was a shop floor guy and learned how to run manual equipment and CNC equipment. And, you know, I know all about cutting tools and technologies. And and look at now, I'm sitting here with you in Miami, Florida, uh, doing a, a live podcast with you, Mike. So, so two questions in one. How do you, as a manufacturing leader, stay ahead of the competition? How does your company stay ahead of the competition? I know the cutting tool market is a ruthless market. Yeah, well, one is you don't share your secrets openly. No, secondly is <laughs> is that I think you have to uh, be aware of what's going on with the metallurgical end of the market from the standpoint of the materials being cut. And then I think all the developments that come along really happen in uh, conjunction with your end-user customers. So I think a lot of it has to do with listening, understanding where the market's going, knowing what the machine tool industry is doing, and then ultimately what you need to do to supply that. Okay. And how about you as a leader? Well, I think you have to read and I think you have to listen. I think the one thing that... Uh, I think that's a very good answer. Yeah. That's I why we're that's here at Making Chips. That's why... Exactly. Exactly. And I commend you for answering it like that. Let's move on to a different subject matter. You know, the, Making Chips is about manufacturing leadership. We have um, just thousands of small, medium, large machining owners that are listening to the show. And you visited a lot of manufacturing plants over the years, right? Yes. What do you see as the difference between the manufacturing leaders that are really growing their companies and the manufacturing leaders that maybe are having a hard, harder time keeping up? I think it sums up in one word, automation. Okay, I agree. I, I believe that the leaders that understand automation and how to move that forward in their plants are the ones that are much more successful and much more profitable as we okay. go forward. Okay, so cut, cutting waste out faster, lean processes, cheaper, all that kind of stuff. Yes. That's great. It's, it's all about process improvements. And I, a lot I, of that has to do with the cutting tools that you use, the machine tools that you use, because there is a lot of automation that you can get out of that. I think that today we have to look at each one of our shop floors and understand how we can do more with less, because I think that's what we're going to have to deal with going forward. So are those are those manufacturing leaders, are they looking at ways to automate their, their companies themselves? Are they driving a culture of automation where they're driving their team to automate? What do you see out there? There's two types of manufacturing, as you well know. There's the job shop, and then there's the high production shops. Right. Two completely different kind of business demographics. Two different ways to look at it. Yeah. High production has to be automated. You know, you can't deal with downtime. If you do have downtime, you have to make it very productive, change your tools, change your fixtures, do what have you. You got to be looking at the data. That's exactly right. In a job shop environment, it's about how can we be more flexible yet quick to change from job to job to job so that we can stay productive during our whole run. So I think in that world, we really have to plan out where we're going and then understand using common platforms as we move forward. Thanks, Mike. I have another question here. Um, please offer some of your wisdom to the young, impressionable future leaders out there in the metalworking nation. What can you advise them to do in order to achieve a successful career in the manufacturing industry? 
That's a tough question. It but, is a uh, tough question. But I, I would say this. I still believe this is a relationship business. And I believe that as young leaders understand who their customers are and their customer base, and they visit those customers and they speak to those customers, and they understand where their customers are going, then they can lead their companies in a more productive way. Where do you see the U.S. market going? Do you see a lot of growth ahead? Where is uh, Kenna Metal projecting that? Well, I think we have to see what happens with the economy and okay. what happens with the the, the issues, the global issues around sure. tariffs and other yeah. things that happen. But today, I believe we're really moving. And, and through the Reshoring Act and a lot of other things that have happened in the recent uh, history, I think we're moving in the right direction to bring manufacturing back to the U.S. Do you think we're going to get to that point where we were before when it was just the heyday of manufacturing? Yes, I, re- I, remember, I do. I, re- I know the questions that yeah. you, Mike, but I, I feel that. I'm very optimistic about the future of manufacturing. I, I remember my dad telling me that, you know, we... You know, back in the day, we, we had a very active um, showroom at our, at our tool supply company. I remember him telling me that he used to just sell those wooden Gershwin toolboxes, I think they were. And no, just, Kennedy. Kennedy. Well, no, the I, Kennedy I think, toolbox. I think, well, Kennedy, too. Yeah. And um, just fill them up with precision tools and cutting tools and everything. And these guys were just, you know, buying them and paying cash and going to work at the, uh, the local machine shop. And I really would love to see that heyday of manufacturing. Not in that same way. But, but that, that type of manufacturing energy coming back to the United States where those young people are, are looking for manufacturing jobs. I don't know that it'll ever get back to that point, but I think where we will be, we'll be much more efficient and much more profitable. I agree. And, and it goes back to automation. And that so, makes me smile. Yeah. Right. And that yeah. makes me smile. Yeah. And I'm sure it does for everybody I mean, else go, going back to automation, I mean, the United States is, is, is a formidable manufacturing economy, but what the general public doesn't realize is that we've automated so many of those jobs. We've, we've introduced robots, we've introduced new cutting tool technology, and you just don't need as many people as you used to in the past. I think the people you're going to have to depend on going forward are more technical nature, yeah. and it's going to be a different type of job. Yeah, and they want to drive those improvements. They Most want to drive definitely. that automation. Is that all the questions we have? That's all that I have, Jim. Mr. Ramsey, yeah. Mike, you've been very insightful. I'm confident that we... We've equipped and inspired some, some of the people out here today by the pool at the Trump National Doral. Absolutely the people that are going to be listening to this future podcast. Yeah, the sun just set, and I know Mike's looking to have Get a, a drink, glass of right? Oh, we'll have a beverage tonight. How about yes, that? I will, too. I will, too. So Whiskey, well, being from Kentucky? Uh, bourbon, not bourbon, whiskey. Sorry. Ah, there, there you go. go. There you go. correct me. you got to be technical there. Yeah. Well, it's all about being technical. So it's all about the... Well, I want to thank you all for giving me the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you you for the uh, sponsorship here at AMT. Jim, that was insightful. It was. And I I would say for, you know, those manufacturing leaders out there listening, they need to ask themselves, you know, what are you doing in order to bring the next generation and what are you doing in order to see automation coming to your manufacturing company? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I, I love, Jason, I love hearing from leaders in manufacturing, especially leaders that are driving cutting tool technology. It gets me super excited. Like, like I've said before many, many times on the show, I still remember the day when that outside salesman came in and put that chatter-free end mill in my hand and said, take that in your machine and put it in there and ramp it up to 5,500 RPM and program it at 145 inches a minute. And I said, this guy is nuts. And sure enough, we went out into the shop. 
We did exactly what he said. I made the outside salesman push the start button because I thought if his tool breaks, it's going to be on his dime, not mine. Well, you know, so, Jim, that's one of the things I like about you. You get excited about end mills and carbide inserts. Well, I do. I mean, because that's what's driving us forward. If we were still using high-speed tools and, you know, like we were 20 years ago, we would never have caught up with this. I, so. You know what? It's funny because when I started in this industry, we were selling a ton of cobalt end mills. And we and, and then well, that was it, the thing back then. Well, yeah, and, and that that replaced the high speed. And then we started selling some of the carbide, and we don't sell any cobalt animals now. We yeah. don't even sell any uncoated carbide hardly. Yeah. So I mean, it, it is amazing how the industry has progressed. Well, you know, the so, uh, the Cuban music is starting to uh, I know. increase. You know what? And so it's kind of nice. I, yeah, it is. So, so I mean, how about we go and grab a beverage? Just so you know, we're we're sitting in a cabana here at yeah. the Trump National. Doral in right. Miami, Florida, and we're looking out among a crowd of about uh, 300 people having cocktails by the pool, and it's a beautiful night. Jason's got his fedora on. He's the stylish one tonight, not me. <laughs> Normally I am, but uh, it feels good. I'm glad we're here. I'm glad we were able to talk to Mike and get his insight, and uh, all things are good. Yep. So with that, bam. bam. Metalworking Nation, listen up. Manufacturing is challenging. You need to think differently. The day-to-day whirlwind of urgencies, the pressure to grow, customer demands, workforce development, new machine tools and robots, the list goes on and on. It is possible to stay ahead of the game of manufacturing, but you can't do it alone. We're here to give you access to exclusive content from other leaders, as well as videos, blogs, show notes, and more resources designed to equip and inspire you on making chips. 